Welcome to Cardio Radio, a podcast of the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative, also known as Cardio. This is Dr. Michael Constan from the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, and I serve as the principal investigator for Cardio, a statewide network of Ohio's seven medical schools. Cardio is funded by the Ohio Department of Medicaid and shares best practices to improve cardiovascular health, diabetes outcomes, and to eliminate health disparities in Ohio's Medicaid population. The opinions and recommendations in this podcast are those of the presenters and not those of Cardio and its sponsors, and are not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Susan Davis, Associate Professor of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Cincinnati. I'm a family physician and geriatrician, and interim podcast lead for Cardio's Team Best Practices. Today, we're going to discuss strategies to identify tobacco use and support patients in the primary care setting. We will share services offered by the Ohio Quit Line and include information on how to refer to the Quit Line. I'm excited to have Dr. Sue Flocky here. Dr. Flocky is a professor of family medicine at the Oregon Health and Science University. She has extensive research experience related to health behavior change and smoking cessation and has held several leadership positions. She currently co-leads the Cancer Prevention and Control Research Program at the Knight Cancer Institute and previously was faculty in the Department of Family Medicine at Case Western Reserve University. Welcome, Dr. Flocky. We're glad you're with us today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'm going to start with a basic question, Dr. Flocky. What do you think are the most effective methods to use in primary care to support patients who use nicotine products? I recommend using a systematic team approach, and that includes asking individuals if they use tobacco, providing brief advice, assessing if they're ready to quit in the next 30 days, and then referring those individuals who want to quit to tobacco cessation resources. And what I mean by a systematic team approach is divvying up the roles and then engaging others within the practice and not having only one person within the clinic doing all of those tasks, but perhaps including your medical assistant or whoever rooms the patient to routinely ask about smoking status as part of vital signs. And then if that individual identifies a tobacco user, they can go ahead and provide a brief quit statement and then ask about that individual's interest in quitting. If interested in quitting, the clinic then would have a process for being able to refer to cessation resources that are available within the community or within the region. That's great, Dr. Flocky, especially as we're thinking about how we can develop team approaches within the primary care setting to ensure we can assist patients in improving their health. You mentioned a brief quit statement. What might that look like? What might you say to a patient as a brief quit statement? I've collaborated with a team at Metro Health in Cleveland for the past 11 years, and we've worked hard to engage multiple stakeholders to understand what's feasible and sustainable within the primary care setting. Specifically, we sought input from medical assistants who room patients to do the task of assessing patient vital signs to help us craft a short statement. And our recommended script is, as a member of your healthcare team, I strongly recommend that you quit using tobacco. And we, we just leave it at that. It's pretty clear. It's brief. 
And it's a message that a variety of healthcare workers are comfortable saying. Great. I like how clear that is. So given this approach, what are some practical ways to actually implement this in primary care? Well, I think the first thing you do is to consider what resources you have available within your practice. If you have in-house behavioral health staff that could help address tobacco cessation, that would be great. Certainly within Ohio, there's the state quit line, which provides robust services for individuals who are willing to engage in telephone counseling. Uh, But consider what resources you might have available, and then think about how you can divide up that tobacco assessment assistance tasks. The goal is to establish a process that can be done on a routine basis within your practice to reach the most tobacco users most of the time. You also want to establish a process that can be sustained by your practice over time. So as we're considering referral to tobacco cessation resources in primary care, what if we decided to use the 1-800-QUIT line because we did not have any internal smoking cessation resources or as an additive to the resources we do have in our clinic? What does the quit line offer to patients? Quit lines vary from state to state, but the Ohio quit line, uh, which is 1-800-QUIT-NOW as the number, offers up to five telephone counseling calls, which are tailored to the individual patient's needs. That telephone-based counseling is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and is also available in a variety of languages. The Ohio Quit Line provides a starter pack of nicotine replacement therapy if the patient is eligible. That starter pack is generally a two-week supply of nicotine patches. There are also other services that are available from the Ohio Quit Line, including a texting program where the individual can sign up to receive motivational texts throughout their quit journey to help keep them on track and to offer congratulations. The Ohio Quitline also has a website with information that is aimed at patients to answer their questions and give them tips on things to consider as they're making their quit attempt. So for that two-week supply of starter pack nicotine replacement you mentioned, would the patient then need to contact their provider to get more nicotine replacement therapy before that two-week supply runs out? An eight-week supply is what is recommended. So what the quit line provides is really just a starter pack to get people going. Nicotine replacement therapy is available over the counter, but we do believe that there are discounts available when there is a prescription provided by a primary care provider, and some prescriptions are also covered by insurance. There are currently five nicotine replacement therapy options and two other medications that are currently approved by the FTA to support tobacco cessation. And importantly, research has shown that individuals that use an improved medication are two to three times more likely to successfully quit. You know, we could make an entirely additional podcast about the medications, couldn't we? But for the scope of today's podcast, I wanted to just ask, how can providers best connect patients to the quit line? I know there are different ways to do that. Would you share with us what might work best? By far, the best approach is a proactive strategy. And what I mean by that is sending the information to the quit line that the patient is interested in quitting. And then the quit line proactively calls the patient to invite them to participate in their program. 
So there are three different ways that someone can send a proactive referral. The first is through an e-referral, and that's an electronic referral from your electronic health record directly to the quit line, and that takes some work to get that set up and established. The second is to use a fax referral form, and you can get those fax referrals from the Ohio Quit Line website. The third way is to send it through the website itself with a web-based referral, and essentially it includes the patient's name, their telephone information, the best time to call, and what language they prefer. It's a very short form to complete, and then it gets sent to the quit line, acknowledging the patient's interest and participation, and then the quit line will proceed to call that patient. Ah, so I understand these proactive referral approaches can improve uptake or use of a community resource like the Quitline from being fairly low to much, much higher. Is that what your experience has been as well, or have you seen something different? It's challenging to get at these real estimates, but what the literature shows is that it's about 2% of folks who are given the 1-800 number by someone that actually follow through and call and connect with the quit line. When there is a proactive referral, it's closer to 30 to 40% of individuals that are contacted will actually engage when contacted directly by the quit line. So throughout our research, and others have conducted research like this, it's challenging to get a hold of people and engage them by telephone. I don't think that it's any different than other kinds of regimens where we're, we're trying to get folks to follow up. So we shouldn't be discouraged by that. And in the end, it's definitely worth the effort to engage individuals who would like to quit and follow through on getting them support, even though it could take multiple attempts. I think that's a really good point, Dr. Flocky, because the better we can connect patients to resources like the quit line, the more likely they are to get the help they need. My next question is, how can primary care providers help move patients towards quitting if the patient is sort of ambivalent about quitting? What we know is that about 70% of people who are currently using tobacco are interested in quitting, but their readiness to act, to take real action, can vary. So people might say, yes, they're interested in quitting, but be at very different places in their level of readiness to truly take some action. What I'd like to encourage primary care teams to do is to help patients think about a small step that they could take now to start reducing how much they're using tobacco. So you can pose it to a patient in this kind of a way. I hear that you're not really thinking about making a full quit attempt right now, but Is there some kind of small step that you'd be willing to take to reduce how much you're smoking currently? Oh, so you're suggesting that they make a small step or what we call baby steps. Right. And it really is best if the patient identifies his or her own small step because it's something that they can see fitting into their lives and something that they're really willing to try. But if the patient doesn't come up with something uh, or they're at loss for ideas, think about things like restricting where they smoke, limiting to only smoking outside, for example. And if they're currently only smoking outside, a small step might be to move that smoking zone a little further away from the door. 
Other ideas include smoking less of a cigarette before putting it out or cutting back on the number of cigarettes per day. Oh, so starting sort of with small, easy things. Right. I suggest starting with very, very small, easy things. When a person achieves that goal, they can, of course, set a new one and make that goal a little bit more difficult and then even a little more difficult than that. But the idea that having some successes shows that a person has some control over this behavior. If they're having some success, they can move on to the next goal and then hopefully get to the point where they're really ready to take some more action or completely stop. That's great. I think these suggestions are really helpful. I like the idea of having some example options for these patients who might be struggling to come up with even small steps. What do you suggest? I think it's important to let them know it's a really small step. And once they achieve that small step, they should pick another goal. So if you can cut back by one cigarette a day and it really doesn't seem like that big of a thing, the next week you can cut back by two. So individuals do start to see some progress and can make the goals achievable. I think that's a really good strategy that primary care teams can encourage for individuals who are thinking about quitting, but just don't feel like they can quit right now. So really picking small steps, getting those small wins, and then choosing their next goal. So as, and of course, as primary care providers, we may encounter patients who are just not ready to quit at all. So how can we address tobacco use in patients that are not ready to quit right now? This is a really important question. It's really key to be clear with the patient that quitting is the most important thing that they can do for their health and that you, the clinician, are there to support them when they are ready. Then let the patient know uh, that you're going to bring tobacco use up again in the future because it's important. At that point, you can move on, transition with something like, what else can I help you with today? So for people who just aren't ready to quit, in summary, I would acknowledge that they're not ready, acknowledge that it's hard, let them know that you're there to support them, and when they are ready, you can help, and then just go ahead and move on to another topic within the visit. Thank you for those really terrific primary care pearls. Were there any key takeaways you wanted to talk about to our cardio listeners today? Yeah, I have a few things I'd like to highlight. First, it doesn't need to be all on the shoulders of the clinician, and the task can get spread out across the primary care team. I think the most important thing for the clinician to do is use their relationship with the patient. Second, Knowing when the patient might be ready to make a move towards quitting and encouraging support and referring folks to other resources. These other resources could include things like the quit line or behavioral health, and they certainly can provide the time for the counseling that the patient needs. The other piece that's very important is providing tobacco cessation medications to support that quit attempt. So those last two things, encouraging the patient and medication together, these increase the odds of quitting two to threefold. One last thing to remember is that quitting tobacco is hard. Maybe some of the folks listening to this podcast are current or former smokers and you know how hard quitting is. Many of us have never had an addiction to tobacco, but the current literature 
shows that it takes about 30 quit attempts before one quits for good. It takes many, many tries. And knowing that it's not a, a one and done is, is an important thing to keep in mind as a clinician when trying to help a patient. Also, checking back in with your patient and offering support and encouragement, even in the face of setbacks to quit attempts, is worth the time and energy for your patients. Thank you so much, Dr. Flocky, for sharing your knowledge, experience, and time with us today. If any of the listeners are interested in learning more about smoking cessation strategies and primary care, you can visit our website at www.cardio.org. Thank you again, Dr. Flocky, for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Dr. Davis. And a special thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Cardio Radio. This concludes today's podcast. Be sure to visit cardio.org to learn more about the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative.